0: Well, happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. I hope you have the best day and I hope you get to spend some time with your family today. We're so happy that you are here to worship with us uh, this morning here at Kernan. Well, hey, before we dig into our uh, series, Is Christ Enough?, we're looking at the letter from Paul to the Colossians. Uh, Before we dig into that, let's pray and let's ask Jesus to bless his word that we would hear it and receive it today. Jesus, We love you and we thank you that we get to open up the Word of God today together as a church family. Lord, that we get to hear from you. So Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts? Lord, encourage us where we need to be encouraged and convict us where we need to be convicted. But either way, let us leave here knowing you better, knowing your love, your grace, and your truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, If you remember, the Apostle Paul is in prison when he is writing this letter to the church in Colossae. Now, Paul was in prison unjustly. He was in prison because he had been preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and saying that Jesus is Lord of all. Now, keep in mind, when you're proclaiming that Jesus is Lord of all throughout the Roman Empire... Who are you probably offending? Probably Caesar, right? Because Caesar would think that he is Lord of all. So it's understandable then that Paul would be arrested for preaching what some could even say is some kind of rebellion against the empire. But even while imprisoned unjustly, Paul's chief concern is to make Christ known. Even when in prison, He wants to share the gospel. He wants to share the good news of what Jesus has done with others. Paul is burdened by the fact that so many people around him and so many people living in the city of Colossae have have yet to experience God's grace and and His forgiveness of sins. So many people are lost, in other words. That word lost, we use that. And what that means is, is just the fact that someone has not found the truth of Jesus. They have not truly trusted Him to be their Savior. And so, so many people are lost in the darkness of sin. And Paul is burdened sincerely by that. What I want us to think about today, as we look at how Paul is starting to really wrap up this letter, you know, we've been in this letter for, for some time now throughout our spring uh, sermon series here, and, and we're, we're really close to the end. But what, what's some of the most important things he wants us to say? Well, well what, what I think he wants us to know and to think about today is if, if Paul is determined to spread the message of Jesus to others even while in prison, then how much more should we be determined to share the gospel with those in our lives as we live in our comfortable freedom? There's really no excuse for us when we look at the example of Paul. If you are truly a follower of Jesus today, the question is, are you really, truly burdened to see others in your life come to know Christ? In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus told his disciples to go and make more disciples. Jesus, in other words, wanted to pass... The baton off, if you will. He wanted to pass on to his disciples what he started. Jesus accomplished salvation for us by dying on the cross for our sins in our place as our substitute. And he rose from the grave three days later to show the world that he is the Lord of all creation. Even death cannot keep him down, death answers to him. Sin has been defeated by him. Jesus gives the gift of eternal life to those who turn away from trying to save themselves in some way by being a good person or doing the right things or thinking that you're good enough or smart enough. Jesus saves those who come to him humbly in repentance and say, Lord, I need you. I can't do this on my own. And so Jesus He is our salvation. And so that message, this good news of what He has accomplished for us, He gives that to His followers to spread this message of salvation so that we don't have to live eternally separated from God, so that we can live with God forever through faith in Christ and what He's done for us on our behalf. So this message, this good news that Jesus has accomplished our salvation, he tells his disciples to go and make more disciples. In other words, go and tell people so they can commit their lives to him, to share this message of salvation with the whole world. Now, this was, this was not an invitation as much as it was a command. God's mission to, is, is to rescue humanity from its slavery to sin through Jesus' death and resurrection. And so Jesus has commissioned Right? He is commissioned we're joining him in that mission, right? He has commissioned his followers to be a part of that process by being his representatives in the world. That's exactly the responsibility we have. We as followers of Jesus, we actually represent Jesus to the rest of the world. We do that by letting people know that they can have a relationship with God and they can live with Him forever. And that's mostly going to happen, really, one person at a time. And that's why we emphasize this here at Kernan, even in our vision statement. Our vision statement here at Kernan tells tells us that we exist to glorify God by making disciples who worship with authenticity, walk in community, and witness as we go. And it's that last, that third part of our statement, witness as we go, that I want us to focus on today because that is essential to what Paul is about to tell us in verses 2 through 6. It's, it's this idea that the witness, the representation of Christ that we need to have in this world, it's really mostly going to happen through ongoing, everyday, ordinary interactions in life with other people. It's going to happen in the context of friendships that you have. It's going to happen with the relationships of different kinds that you have, right? In the circles of influence that each of us have, that is the context in which we are representatives of Christ. And so we witness as we go, as we go out and live our normal, ordinary, everyday lives. So as we seek to do that here at Kernan and in Jacksonville and beyond, we can look at what Paul says here in Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6. Here's what he says. Paul says, "...continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the Word." to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So what I want us to see in these few verses just here today, towards the end of this letter, is really two things. Sharing the good news of Jesus must include, number one, good conversation with God about the lost. Good conversation with God about the lost. Look again at what Paul said in verse 2. He says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Now, I think we can all agree that one of the worst things in the world is trying to get a real human customer service representative on the phone, right? (laughs) It's the worst, right? When you call any company, it doesn't matter, especially the big corporate ones, right? It seems like every single time, right, you call some kind of corporate number, please listen closely as our menu options have changed. Press one if you would like to speak with this robot. Speak, press two if you want to speak with a different robot, right? That's just how it is. And, and it's just super frustrating, right? But I'm gonna move on. Here's the thing: one of the most amazing things, one of the most amazing things about our Creator God is that He has given us 24-7 direct access to access to Him. Always. He never puts you on hold right? You don't have to talk to one of his representatives. Isn't it amazing? Like, have you really thought about that? Like, you have access to approach the throne of God in prayer whenever you want. I mean, that is really, seriously incredible. Because there are so many people in this world. That, I mean, do you know how hard it would be to try to schedule an appointment to speak with someone who's the CEO of a corporation or high up in government? I mean, you, would be, you might have to wait weeks if you even get a chance to speak to someone. But God gives us this access to pray with Him. And so, and so what we need to understand is that ongoing dialogue and conversation with God is essential to obeying the Great Commission. Ongoing conversation and dialogue with God is actually essential to being a faithful witness in this world. Because, you know why? Because we can't can't seek to have good conversations with people about God if we ourselves are not even having good conversation with God himself. Right? I mean, think about that. We can't talk to others about the God we claim to love if we ourselves really don't even know him that well. Because we never talk to him. We never spend time with him. We never listen to him in his word when we read the Bible. Right? If we're not spending time with God, how in the world would you expect to get to know him better, to love him more in your heart, for your life to be changed? It's not just going to magically poof happen one day. Right, You can't just sit back in your recliner and, and pray to God and say, hey, Lord, change me, if you're not willing to actually spend time in His Word and spend time in prayer communicating with Him. That's how the Lord changes us. So Paul says we should pray consistently. We should pray steadfastly with watchfulness on one hand. That means expressing our concerns to God and, and praying against God temptations to sin, being watchful in our prayer. But also, on the other hand, we balance that with thankfulness, he says. That's what he says there in verse 2, right? Pray with watchfulness and thankfulness. In other words, giving praise to God and thanking Him for saving us, just for who He is. How often do you just take the time to thank God for who He is? Like, isn't that something? Thank you, God, that you created this world and that you made me. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to this earth and gave up your life so that I could find life in you. But our prayers should not only be about ourselves. And I love how Paul transitions here. We should be having good, consistent conversation with God about those in our lives who have yet to follow Jesus. Notice what Paul asks the Colossians here to pray for. He really, he's really asking to pray for two people, right? Look at verse 3. He says, Pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ. In other words, the gospel of Christ. By, so by asking for prayer that God would open doors to share the gospel, Paul is essentially asking to pray for those sharing the gospel and for those hearing the gospel. He's asking for prayer for both those who are doing the sharing, the talking about God, and those who are doing the listening. You see, this signifies a sincere burden for the lost here and that Paul assumes we must take this commission from Jesus to spread his message. We must take it seriously. I mean, Paul's assuming here that the Colossians are taking this seriously. He's devoted his entire life to spreading that gospel message to the point of even being persecuted, being imprisoned unjustly. Yet, he has not lost any passion. He has not lost any motivation. He presses on. He continues on. Even though he has been bound in chains. And who knows how terrible his condition actually was in that prison cell, but Paul presses on. On. He is asking for more opportunities to do the same thing that got him arrested in the first place. Isn't that something? I mean, how many of us would just give up? How many of us would just say, you know what, I'm done with this. I don't want to go through this event or this experience again. But that shows us how much Paul Cares about people's souls and how he and how great he believes the gospel really is. Listen, none of us are gonna put our lives on the line for something we don't think is that great. None of us is going to put ourselves in any kind of uncomfortable situation, even in a conversation with some about the Lord, a conversation with someone about the Lord, if we truly in our own hearts don't believe it's really powerful, if it really has the power to change somebody. Paul believes that Jesus Christ can change anybody's life, no matter who they are, where they're from, or what they have done. Do we believe that? (laughs) Do we believe that really in our hearts that we're willing to risk whatever it takes to spread this amazing, beautiful, glorious news that Jesus Christ has come to rescue us? Paul shows us how much he cares. He cares about people. He cares about people's souls, and he believes the gospel is great. He's more concerned about people hearing the Word of God than his own comfort. He's willing to risk his own well-being for the reward of seeing others come to know Christ. Do we share this desire? Do we have this burden and concern? And let me ask you, all right, let's just get practical here. How often do you spend time praying for someone who doesn't know Christ? How often do you actually go to the Lord in prayer and say, Jesus, would you please get a hold of my friend or my loved one's heart? Would you speak to them? Would you bring them to yourself? Holy Spirit, would you just draw them to yourself? Would you give them the gift of salvation? Open their eyes, open their heart to your truth. Lord, I want them to know you. I want them to love you and be able to experience your grace and your forgiveness and the peace And the comfort that comes in knowing you, Lord, would you save my friend? Would you save my brother, my sister, my mom, my dad? Are we consistently praying like Paul? Are we consistently praying for the salvation of others around us? You know, like the church in Colossae prayed for Paul, we should pray for those around the world who have committed this to this full-time missionary effort. You know, Paul is a full-time missionary. In other words, it was his job, it was his vocation to go around and and start new churches and spread the gospel and, and speak and share with people. And we should do that. We should pray for the missionaries around the world. You know, we partner with the International Mission Board here at Kernan. We partner with the North American Mission Board. There's a lot of people that our tithes and offerings actually go, a percentage of that goes throughout the year to support them. Are we praying? Are we praying for these missionaries? Are we praying for them as they seek to share the gospel around the world? But here's the thing. We should also pray for open doors for us. So yes, we should pray for those vocational missionaries, but guess what? I got news for you. We're all missionaries. Like we really are. We are all missionaries in our own context wherever God has placed you. If you follow Jesus wherever He has you, wherever you work, wherever you live, wherever you spend your free time, those are the places that God wants you to fulfill the Great Commission. He really does. He's not asking any of us to sit on the sidelines. You are in the game. Whether you realize it or not, whether you want to be or not, if you follow Jesus, it's part of the deal. You are in the game. You are on the field, so to speak. So are we cognizant of this? Are we having regular and good conversation with God about those who don't know Christ? Are we having good conversation with God about the lost in our lives? And if we're praying for open doors to share the good news of Jesus with others, then of course that leads us to the second thing we see in verses 2 through 6 right here. Sharing the good news of Jesus must include, number one, good conversation with God about the lost, but, number two, good conversation with the lost about God. We should be having good conversation with both about each other. (laughs) That's really how it works. Pastor Jimmy Scroggins and Steve Wright, in their book they co-authored called Turning Everyday Conversations into Gospel Conversations, they give some interesting statistics in their uh, book here, and I want to share this with you. They say... The average person has 27 conversations per day. Now, they don't specify how many of those are with yourself, okay? like A few, right? (laughs) Now, this this stat is even more interesting. They say both men and women utter an average of about 16,000 words each day. Now that's 16,000. That's average. Okay. So that means that some of y'all are like way above that number. You know what I mean? Like some of y'all are speaking a lot more than 16,000 words each day. The the statistic I really want to know is how many words per day do husbands actually listen to, right? Like, I mean, what's really, what's the expectation? 5,000, 10,000? I mean, you're getting up there, right? (laughs) So here's the thing. To win people to Christ though, If we're really having those many words spoken in conversations throughout the day with other people, to win people to Christ, we gotta be having good conversations. We need to be having meaningful conversations with other people about God. And we must be careful. If we're speaking that many words, we gotta be careful with our words. But this reminds us that Jesus' command to go and make disciples, it wasn't just for Paul. And it isn't just for those who are full-time vocational missionaries either. It's not just for pastors. It's not just for Christian teachers. It's for every single person who follows Jesus. There are no exceptions. We are called to be missionaries wherever we are. And this is really the crux of our vision statement at the end that says we witness as we go, right? It's it's we sincerely, we sincerely believe here at Kernan that we all have this duty to look for open doors to look for open doors to have conversations about God with other people and ultimately to have conversations with them about Jesus specifically and his death and his resurrection. About the gospel, the good news. So we must be intentional if we're looking for these open doors, right? We have to be intentional with how we engage with people who don't know Christ. Our witnessing opportunities are precious moments, and they must not be wasted. Every moment that you have with people who do not follow Jesus, that you spend time with them, it could be in your own home, like I said, the people you work with, just the people that you generally encounter in your circle of friends, right? Right? every moment really does matter. Everything you do matters. Everything you say matters. And you're like, well, well, this is a lot of pressure you're putting on me here, pastor. Listen, number one, I'm not putting the pressure on you, okay? Jesus is the one who has commanded us to do this. But number two, listen, he's giving you the power to do this. And I think a lot of us don't realize that. It is not ultimately up to you, Right? You're not going to save anybody. Only the Holy Spirit of God can save someone. What He's asking for you to do is just be faithful, to be obedient, and sharing his good news. But everything matters. Everything we do, everything we say matters. Look at look then. That's why Paul says this. Look at verse 5. He says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. In other words, towards to those who are not a part of God's family, right? Who are still lost in the darkness. Walk in wisdom. Live your life in wisdom, making the best use of the time. I do love how the NIV translates that. It it says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. You see, we should be looking. We should be looking for open doors in the conversations we have, in the friendships we have, in the work relationships we have, we should be looking for opportunities to really talk to people about meaningful things. Now, I want to be clear. What I mean by that is I'm not saying that we should immediately jump to some kind of religious sales pitch. That's not what we're trying to do, okay? We're not looking for a 10-second elevator conversation. We're looking for a meaningful friendship, a meaningful bond of trust between you and someone you regularly spend time with who doesn't know Christ. So that when you do have meaningful conversation with them about anything in the world, right? When the moment is right, when they do go through some sort of crisis or some kind of tragedy or anything that's just they're curious about the faith, maybe they have a question, when the moment is right, they already have an established level of trust with you and you can engage with them in conversation about God. We should be looking for those open doors. We should be creating opportunities to have conversations with our neighbors. I'm kind of, I guess I'm a little bit of a weirdo because when our neighbors are out and about walking around, I'm like always trying to talk to somebody. They're like, oh, this guy again, right? (laughs) But I'm being serious. Like, I mean, Christy and I, we want to know our neighbors. We want to have good conversations with them. We want to lead them to love Jesus. In his book, Mere Evangelism, the author Randy Newman So that's the author, not the singer from Toy Story, just so you know. Uh, Randy Newman talks about the concept of what he calls pre-evangelism or preparation for receiving the gospel. In other words, a lot of conversations that we have with other people may need to happen before we talk about the specifics of the gospel with someone, right? So here's what he says. He says, people's underlying beliefs about themselves... God, and the world either set them up for belief in the gospel or for the rejection of it. Some assumptions pave the way for acceptance. Others need to be torn down. So in other words, what he's saying is there are going to be so many preconceived notions and thoughts and, and just ideas in people's minds. So when you come to them, right, about having a meaningful conversation about spiritual matters or religion or God or whatever, right? When you come to them and approach them, there could be a thousand little things, right, that, that are separating what they're thinking you mean versus what you actually mean, right? So, so there may need to be some things that are untangled in their mind and, and maybe even in your mind to understand where they're coming from so that you can meet and, and have good conversation. So, So in other words, when Paul says here in this verse, verse 5, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. We need to exercise wisdom in these friendships, in these conversations, so that we can understand what it is that they are trying to untangle in their minds that's keeping them from getting to the truth and belief in Christ, right? So, so with that thought in mind, then Paul moves to verse 6, and look what he says. So if we're using wisdom as we engage with people who don't follow Jesus, as we're having conversations with them, look what he says then. Here's what we got to do, Christians. He says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So there's, there's a lot of intentionality in this statement that Paul's saying. Now Peter, the Apostle Peter, said something very similar In 1 Peter 3.15, and I want us to read that as well. You can look on the screens. Peter said, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect. Right? So here's the thing. For Peter, he's saying, Listen, we do need to be prepared. We need to be prepared to give people answers to their questions, that doesn't mean that you have to go to seminary and study theology. It just means that you need to continue your normal daily walk with God. Read the Bible, spend time in prayer, love Jesus, love His people, attend church, soak in the Word, listen to the sermon, write stuff down, think about it, pray about it, right? Just continue your normal everyday rhythms in your relationship with God so then the Holy Spirit can speak through you as you have these conversations. So, so Peter says, make, be prepared to make a defense, yet do it with gentleness and respect. See, we're not just trying to win an argument, okay? Now, let me tell you, it is easy to just, it's really easy to be tempted to just want to win an argument, right? Oh, well, you don't believe in God. Well, let me tell you, here's five things you need to know and blah, blah, blah. Right? We're, not, we're not trying to win an argument because that's not gonna get anybody anywhere, right? There's enough of that on social media and just people yelling at each other and never, no one ever changes their mind, right? We all just get more solidified in our own opinions. So we're not trying to win an argument, right? What we're trying to do is present the truth claims of Christ in a gentle and respectful way. In a world full of disunity and confusion, we should be the ones, Christians should be the ones that are pursuing peace and unity, who speak with clarity. You know, Paul said in verse 4, he wants to speak clearly, right, as he should. We should feel the same way. Our attitudes, our words to others should be refreshing. We shouldn't be adding to the noise. Christians, we can't just add to the drama of the world. We can't just add to the decay of bad conversation and bad communication out there. We need to speak refreshing words of encouragement and joy and peace and unity to others. Now, that's not to say that, of course, there are moments and times where we stand up for particular truths. Absolutely. But I'm just talking about in normal everyday conversation with your friends, we're not trying to outsmart people. We're trying to win them to the love of Jesus. We must use wisdom in the words we say and conversations we have. Paul says, be gracious. Be gracious with your words. Let your speech always be gracious, he says. We must prepare and be ready to answer each person as Paul says here in verse 6. Randy Newman, in his book that I just quoted, he says we should trust God to do the impossible work of conversion that only he can do. That sets us free from the pressure to say all we can possibly say in a minute. It doesn't all ride on that one conversation that you have with somebody, and it doesn't really all rely on us anyway. And that's a great point he makes, but, but we should still seek to be prepared, right? So in other words, there's a balance there. As you're having these conversations with your, peop- with your friends, your people in your lives that, that don't know Christ, right, you know that ultimately only the Holy Spirit of God can save this person and draw them to the truth of Christ, right? But at the same time, that doesn't mean that you sit back and don't prepare, right? We need to be prepared and we need to be clear. We need to know the gospel ourselves. Listen, if you can't explain what the gospel is in a matter of probably 30 seconds to 60 seconds, then listen, seriously, you need to, you need to work on that, right? And what I mean the gospel, I mean Jesus' perfect life, his atoning death, and his resurrection, right? So Jesus lived the life we should have lived. He died the death we should have died, and he rose from the grave to defeat the power of sin and death, right? That's the gospel. I just said it in about 10 seconds, right? That's essentially it. Now, if you really want to boil it down, I've heard a pastor say, you could say it in really four words, Jesus in my place. That's it. Jesus in my place. And just explain what that means, Right? that we are not good enough, but Jesus was good enough. And he substituted himself for us on the cross. And if you put your faith in him, you can experience his love and grace forever. You can live with God forever, right? So if you can't articulate that in some kind of form, that yeah, you do need to prepare. You need to be ready to say these things to someone who may ask you for the hope that is in you. That's what Peter and Paul are both saying. To quote Newman one more time here, he says, to pick to pick one aspect of God's world to discuss with others, right? So as we're, as we're having these conversations with people, it's, it's really an art, not a science, okay? We don't want to be robotic in the way we talk to them. We don't want to be... There's not some special formula that we need to use. We want it to be natural, our conversations to happen naturally. So Newman says, pick, pick one aspect of God's world and talk about that. So in other words, he says, if they love art and beauty... Point them to the one who made our world so beautiful. If they value family, explore how God made us to be social beings. He says we can drop ideas like these into our conversations one at a time. There's no need to make a big deal of it at first, but let's, let's ask God to develop these conversations into discussions of Jesus' death and resurrection. So what you're doing is you're building connection points with people and then you're building bridges with people of good conversation about ultimately God and who Christ is. This is challenging. This isn't easy and and some of you are more experienced than others in having these kinds of conversations with people in your lives. Maybe you've never had. Maybe you've never shared the gospel with anyone. And I'm not trying to shame you and I don't want you to feel overly guilty today. That's not my point. That's not my hope. But what I do want us to understand is that, like I said, nobody's on the sidelines here. If you follow Jesus, you are called to make a difference in someone else's life by sharing the gospel of Jesus with them. We are called to do this. We want to be faithful to do this, but we need the Lord's help. So who in your life needs Jesus? And I don't want to just say that like in some kind of, christianese phrasing like no no really like really seriously who in your life needs jesus christ has god provided an open door for you has he provided the opportunity for you to have good conversation with them and if you're not there yet are you building bridges Are you building connection points with people? Are you speaking words that are refreshing and gracious, seasoned with salt, as Paul put it? Are you laying a foundation of friendship so that when the timing is right and you do share with them, they actually are willing to listen because they trust you and they know you? Is Christ enough? Yes. He opens doors for us to share the gospel. So let's be obedient to that. Let's follow his lead. Let's walk through those doors. Let's be obedient. And let's have good conversations with God about the lost. In other words, let's pray to God regularly, consistently for those in our lives who are living in darkness, in spiritual darkness. Let's pray for their salvation but let's also have good conversations with those people about God as we pray for them. And what better time to do this than starting right now? This moment today can be the day that you start really seriously taking this for real, taking this seriously. But it starts with prayer. It starts with that good conversation with God about all of this. So I want us to spend some time right now. Let's let's pray that God would help us as we seek to share the beautiful, wonderful, best news in the entire world. Jesus Christ has come to save sinners. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, first of all, we thank you. We want to pray steadfastly with thankfulness in our hearts. We thank you that you loved us so that you came to this earth as fully God and fully man to die in our place, to die and pay the penalty of sin that we owe. Jesus, you did what we could not do. You lived a perfect life of obedience to God and you laid your life down in obedience, in sacrifice, in perfect, infinite love. You gave up your life in our place so that we would not have to lose you. So that we would not lose God forever. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us. So God, we also want to pray, as Paul said, with watchfulness. We want to be mindful of those around us who don't know you. We don't want to hoard this great truth for ourselves. Lord Jesus, help us. Give us eyes to see the darkness around us. As uncomfortable as it may be, Lord, let us see those around us who are hurting, who are broken as we are in many ways, except that they're living in spiritual blindness, spiritual darkness. Lord, give us compassion. Let us not be quick to judge, but quick to love, quick to show them and talk to them and have conversations with them about meaningful things in life. Lord, help us to build bridges, open doors, as Paul said, Lord, give us open doors for good conversation about you and ultimately, specifically about Jesus, about you, your grace, your death and resurrection and the eternal life that faith brings. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for being lazy. Forgive us for being apathetic. Forgive us for being indifferent. Forgive us for any way or means we have neglected to be obedient in this area of our lives. Would you convict us yet encourage us that we can do this in your name, in your power, so Jesus, help us. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts, open hearts and open arms to welcome the stranger, the outsider, the lost, the broken, the hurting. Let us build the right bridges and the right connection points to speak love and truth to them. Forgive us for where we have overlooked or ignored these opportunities. Jesus, Help us to take this seriously, the great commission that you have given us to go and make disciples. Lord, let us be people at this church who witness as we go, as we go out and live our normal everyday lives. Let this truly, truly never leave our hearts and minds. Let it start today. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us and loving us in this way and helping us do this. It's in your name we pray, amen.